What did you get from that house, Sydney? Um, I got some caramels. I got a podcast. Wow. <laughs> Don't fucking leave me here to die, Sydney. <laughs> what am I supposed... Like, that's... That's what the other kids would say. They'd say nothing. They'd be like, get away from us, Charlie Brown. <laughs> yeah, are you... Charlie Brown, are you okay? It's the 1950s. Right, yeah. I, You're the one with the dumb costume. I mean, he did mess up his costume pretty bad. Like, but look, isn't we that... all we all stand a Charlie Brown, but oh. he freaking butchered that oh, sheet. Oh, yeah. He, like, in his universe, he, he ruined his costume. But in our universe, that's very funny and a very good costume. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, and my like, God. That's so, I never thought about that. It is so weird that, like, now you could wear that and people would be like, ah, that's cute. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But in his world, that's like, this is the worst mistake he's ever made, <laughs> pretty much. Which is saying a lot. Right. He's had some real, uh, he's had some real goobers. Yeah. Some of his mistakes he makes multiple times over and over again. And I guess we'll get into that. Constantly. And I mean, like, I know we, like, we need to give a proper intro, but, like, can I just say, at the insanity of an adult giving a child a rock. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to open with this. Like, we can have some good content before we actually do an introduction for people who haven't seen the show before. I was, okay, <laughs> so I was reading a Washington Post piece celebrating the anniversary of It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. We're doing the It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. Hi, uh, Disney Desk viewers. Hi, welcome. welcome to the Disney Desk. I'm Carter. I'm Sydney. Um, yeah, so we're doing Great Pumpkin. We'll explain why later. But right. um, So apparently it was Charles, because Charles Schultz was pretty hands-on for a lot of the earlier animated uh, like TV and movie specials. Mm-hmm. And he had the idea of, at one house, note one house, that Charlie Brown would get a rock from some jerk parent. <laughs> but apparently, one of the producers and the director, um, Bill Melendez, suggested, oh, it would be funnier if he just keeps getting rocks. If he gets three, like, we go to three houses and we do the comedy rule of threes. Mm-hmm. And apparently, Charles Schultz was kind of like, that is horrifically cruel that is insane even by the standards that i created for charlie brown right like basically the votes had it that it's like no it's funnier if we do it over and over and over again because that would have to mean that like people are prepared to see kids with bad costumes so they just have a stash of rocks they're like oh you here you go here's your rock well what is worse that it's just they're prepared for bad costumes and they're gonna judge them because right. I do feel like there, there's some truth to that where it's like, oh, certain adults, like, especially adults who don't have kids but own houses, they get really persnickety about, like, oh, you that's not a good costume. Right. Or if you, like, do a low-effort costume, they'll be like, come on, you got to at least try. Right. Or so if they think you're, like, if you or, look like you're 16 or something, then they're like, right. why? what are you here for? It's like candy, Or girl. is it that this town hates Charlie Brown so much but they all are just like, all right, like they have a school board meeting, but it's all about like, how can we ruin Charlie Brown's year this Life. year? Yeah. Right, everyone get rocks. Like they started out, right. we'll all hit them with rocks and they talk themselves down from homicide to um, <laughs> just giving him rocks for Halloween. Right. Making him go trick or treating with a bag full of rocks. Yeah. Right. And he has to carry that. What is he going to do? Right. Could you imagine like the actual trauma though of 
like if you <laughs> went trick or treating and people gave you rocks, <laughs> like that's so mean. <laughs> I right because it's like Lucy with the football. It's like, well, oh that's gosh. mean. But that's just, like, schoolyard bullying. This is adults, people in (laughs) positions of power, telling a child, you suck, we hate you. Eat rocks, kid, for real, though. Um, Okay, okay. As we said... Yeah, all right, hold on, let's rewind a little bit. Uh, We... So... See, this is the mark of a good topic for us, because it took us, like, 0.5 seconds to be like, I have points to make. Now we're just in the deep end. Right. Now we're just in the middle of the ocean. It's like, wait, how the hell did we get here? Right. Um, So, Sydney, this was actually your idea. Right. Yeah, this is a, like, in my household growing up, all of the Charlie Brown specials, including the other, like, films, like Snoopy Come Home and A Boy Named Charlie Brown, mm-hmm. were, like, mainstays, um, but specifically the holiday ones. Um, every year was something that we, like, made a point to sit down when they were coming right. on TV, especially the Thanksgiving one, the Christmas one's a no-brainer. I mean, but The, the Great Pumpkin um, is special um, as a Halloween fan. But, um, but yeah, I, I just felt like, you know, we at the Disney Desk, we like to branch out and... And look at cartoons uh, across the board and from from other mm-hmm. studios and from other sources of inspiration. So I was like, why not instate in some kind of like, well, the more we talked about it, the more we decided like we should regularly talk about the Peanuts. There's enough to talk about here. Right. Um, yeah. Like we started because it's like, well, we need one more thing for Halloween. Mm-hmm. And then we thought about it and you suggested Halloween specials. Then we got to, we should do It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. And mm-hmm. then we just thought about it, and we thought it would be really fun for our first, like, season, for lack of a better word. Right. I don't know. Like, as each major holiday approaches, we do the corresponding peanut special as one of the episodes. Right. Um, loosely just call this It's a Podcast, Charlie Brown. Uh, honestly, that's perfect. Yeah. I feel like I feel like you try to brainstorm names just like to overrule me because you know how bad mine are but then you just get tired and you're like whatever just okay. let the kid have his let let carter play in the sandbox I, I genuinely could not come up with something better than that and i like that because like i mean f- from a grammar standpoint like a sentence like it's the dot 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 comma charlie brown it has such a like 60s sensibility to it it it, it sort of echoes like the language of that time and i think it huh. captures it really well like so so you saying it's a podcast charlie brown um is so perfect yeah well i actually have a point to make off of that mm-hmm. but let me just start by saying my family's in the same boat my dad really loves snoopy snoopy is like one of so his go-to mom. character references i was gonna say so in my mom's high school yearbook in 1980 six or whatever whenever she graduated like you know how you can well they used to put quotes like you could have a quote under your name her quote in her high school yearbook is i love snoopy (laughs) that is amazing isn't it man i thought you were gonna say it her comment was right and then like in parentheses snoopy language right yeah which fun fact while we're sort of like loosey-goosey right now did you know that Woodstock and Snoopy are voiced by the director? I did not know that. 
yes, uh, Bill Melendez, and I'll talk about him in a minute. But yeah, my dad is huge into Snoopy. He has all this Snoopy stuff. I think Snoopy is just very much a sort of generational mascot. Absolutely. Like, beyond just being a beloved pop culture character, there is just, uh, like, one or two generations where it's like, that's the guy. Oh, that's yeah. That's the dog. Right. Um, and you also mentioned the titling convention. It is so funny to me that, so the comic is called Peanuts. Pe- right. Like, and I did a little research because I was like, wait, why the hell was it called the Peanuts? Mm-hmm. And the explanation was Charles Schultz originally had a comic called Little Folk. And as he expanded it into the Peanuts, uh, apparently there was, like, someone had the copyright Little Folk or something similar. Mm. So he had to come up with a new name. And someone suggested Peanuts because of the phrase the Peanut Gallery. Mm. And he apparently hated it. He was like, there's not a character named Peanut. It's stupid. Right. It Um, does seem random. And uh, he did at multiple times consider changing the comic to just be called Charlie Brown. And I feel like these TV specials were his way of sort of getting his way. Because yeah. all the P- TV specials, with the exception of the movie that came out in 2015, which we are absolutely doing an episode on at some right. point, mm-hmm. um, have Charlie Brown's name in them. Or Snoopy's. They do, um, yeah. Which is funny because, for me, even though they're called Charlie Brown, the, every single one of these specials is a brilliant ensemble piece. Like, I think... Oh, yeah. Whereas... Whereas the 2015 movie very much was, felt like a Charlie, more of a Charlie Brown movie, all of these specials, I think their mastery is, I think where they succeed the most is, they get so much out of damn near every single character in this little, this weird little cast. They do, because they, it kind of perfected the, the rule of, like, straight man, um, goofy guy essence. Like, there's everyone is sort of has a pairing yeah and so we go on these caveat adventures with just like a couple at a time where we're with linus and sally or we're with peanut or peanut (laughs) peanut woodstock (laughs) and snoopy or we're with linus and charlie brown and or charlie brown and lucy like so we have this like very comfortable dynamic of seeing them in these pairs that work so perfectly yes and it's funny because Charlie Brown works as, like, the ultimate straight man. He is, like... Yeah. Like, for, like, the overarching story. But then we have these little pairs where everyone gets to interact and work with each other. And sometimes someone will be the straight man to the other person's goofy character or vice versa. And on top of that, it just, like... Like, I feel like it's it's another thing, much like Craig of the Creek, where it just really succeeds in depicting kids in a very accurate thing, where it's like, all of these kids have their own little side stories on this Halloween adventure. Like, you know, Linus is obsessed with seeing the Great Pumpkin. Uh, Charlie Brown is getting rocks. Um, uh, Sally is torn between wanting to go trick-or-treating and... And being with her boyfriend. to... Yeah, making her impressing her boyfriend with his weird quasi-religious hobby right <laughs> like uh, yeah i'm not really protestant but i'll 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 go to the okay. service i guess yeah um Sno- snoopy is convinced he's been shot down in german lines and has to sneak across no man's land to get home for some reason right he's um, committed to the bit that's why he's a generational mascot because he commits to the bit and right. everyone wants to commit to the bit but yeah, anyway, I th- like I think it works well as a kids thing cuz like kids have their own little universes, but then their universe they have 
the separate universe where they interact with everyone. Because I love we have all these little side stories, but then we just quietly have this overarching, like, oh, well, they're going trick-or-treating. Right. Like, there's a Halloween party to be had. And, right. like, all of these little sub-stories interact and cross over and sort of mingle with just the Halloween party that kind of is what everything's building up to. Right, yeah. And, you know, to, to go back to the point about Craig of the Creek, um, because we talked about this a lot with that show of, like, the humor in the way that children take themselves seriously and take what they're doing seriously. And so, like, the Peanuts really, like, or at least these, in the Peanuts in this context, um, had this sort of, this famous way of, um, like, having these these actual children do these, like, line readings, um, where it's, like, so, like, they sort of illustrate this idea of children taking themselves seriously by, like, having them say and do, like, actually really adult things. Like, if if we, um, and having all the adults sound like, and, yes. like, not, not use any language, um, because it doesn't matter, like, the children are sort of, like, setting the law. But, like, when I was rewatching this today, um, <laughs> even the part, like, and we talked, we touched briefly on, Linus or Lucy, excuse me, pulling the football away, and she references it. She she produces a document, like a promissory yes, note, that she's not going to do it, except it's it is void because it was not never notarized. notarized. Yeah, <laughs> and that's what a nuts thing to have. Yeah, that's that's what a insane. nuts thing to say. Right. On top of the fact that before that, Charlie Brown is like, "You must think I'm really dumb. You're gonna pull right. that football away so you can see me land flat on my back and kill myself." Yeah. And I'm like, "Whoa!" He knows what's there. up. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like gonna kill myself. Just having the main oh character <laughs> say he's gonna die. Um, yeah, I think that is like, and it's little moments like that where I really did pause and reflect simultaneously i don't understand why the peanuts is so successful and yet i completely understand yeah it really is one of those culture institutions where you're like it just it it is it yeah it's obvious of course this everyone loves this exactly <laughs> oh my gosh and oh, i was just gonna say that like i it's it there's so much humor in the their choice of of language because these voices do sound like two toddlers talking like these kids right and when you do google it yeah they they were like five and six and seven years old at the time and um but saying things like this this line stood out to me today when when uh linus was like explaining who the great pumpkin is and that it's better than santa claus and charlie brown says something to the effect of like it appears we have a difference in denomination <laughs> like right? that's the like they don't line. hide in there it's like there's a weird religious undertone like yeah like linus, linus is into theology is yes <laughs> linus's whole thing is like a crisis of faith when his savior doesn't arrive on the day he was supposed to right <laughs> which ultimately ends with him doubling down at the end and being like well of course the great pumpkin's real like i just got the times wrong yeah linus is kind Literally of a like a doomsday guy. prepper like <laughs> yeah. yeah right where he's like, okay, all right, I clearly read the like codes in the I Bible did the wrong. Math wrong. I yeah, it's still my bad happen, guys, but it's still today. totally happening. Right. I'm still totally right, so I'll get saved and all of you will die. Yeah. You guys um, are gonna wish you listened to me. Right. And I think that's it's one of the things that I think Peanuts really succeeds in. How weird yeah, all these weird esoteric bits where it's just I would have loved to have met Charles Schultz because I'm like, how do you, how does someone think of all this? Because literally, and I, I wanted to bring this up, I really love that the first comic 
of Peanuts is Charlie Brown just walking down a street and two characters being like, yep, there goes Charlie Brown. Good old Charlie Brown. Oh, how do I, oh, how I hate him. And I'm just like, that's the energy we're opening that's with. That's the your, thesis, yeah. Yeah, that's how you're entering the house. Right. And then it slowly <clears throat> escalates to the your, like, Beagle character suddenly is walking on two legs and thinks, and has disguises. Right. And I, like, and also I've always loved Peanuts because it is, it's this incredible middle ground where it's like, it can co- have all this commercial stuff. Like, it can make merchandise out of mm-hmm. Snoopy and have these specials and yet not feel like it's selling out. Right. Like, there's the spectrum of, like, and I think Peanuts is also special because it's like, we don't really have big comics anymore mm. for, like, the newspapers. No. Like, the last, like, Pearls Before Swine is still going, and I like that, but, like, does the average person know Pearls Before Swine? No, I don't even know that. That guy got Bill Watterson of Calvin and Hobbes to come out of retirement, and people still don't really know him. No. Um, but, yeah, we have the, like, we have the Bill Watterson, Calvin and Hobbes spectrum where he's just like, ah, eh, this is getting too commercial. I'm just gonna, like, peace off, mm-hmm. go off into the sunset and just kind of hang out and do my little drones for charity. You have... Garfield, which is, like, the ultimate, like, complete, just merch, 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 merch. Mm -hmm. Like, the guy doesn't even write the damn things anymore. He just has, like, a factory. And it's, like, whatever this was supposed to be is completely gone. Right. And then you have Peanuts, which is simultaneously uber super commercial, yet still so freaking weird and, like, individualized. And you're, like, this really does feel like one specific guy from one specific time period. Yeah, absolutely. And even, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking about, like, where do I see Peanuts stuff? Oh, it's Dorney Park. Like, they somehow, like, yes. the, their marketing is thorough, but, yeah. like, it stays somehow, like, just under the surface of, yeah. like, knowledge. And Hallmark has their whole little peanut section. Yeah. Like, it it, ma- it maintains its, like, hometown campiness in, in every yes. avenue of its, like, its, you know, licensing. Yes. It still feels weirdly like this little underdog story. And mm-hmm. it also still has that edge where a character will just say, I'm going to fall on my back and kill myself. Yeah. Um, my favorite joke from the 2015 cartoon is when a fire alarm gets pulled and Pigpen gets soaked from the, uh, like, fire extinguishers. And the girl he's dancing with goes, I'm sorry, who are you? <laughs> like, what a weird joke. Oh, my um, gosh. But, well, there's a couple different points I wanted to get to as we're talking about all of this. Right. And I know we're jumping around a lot. But, well, I think just talking about this sort of weirdness and sort of, like, homeliness energy, it, it, re-watching it, I really realized how episodic it was, and that's kind of what we're talking about. Mm. But at the same time, every single vignette just feels like it makes... Like, it really does feel kind of freeform. It feels like right. we're just seeing moment after moment. And you know what really brings that together? It really is the music. Like, the fact that, that it was has be my this next really laid-back jazz... It's like this really jazzy vibe. The Vince Giraldi trio. I mean, you know, if you didn't know any better, you would think that like this cartoon and this music was written simultaneously as if like the writers of this. And I think to a degree, actually, it was. If if my knowledge of of Peanuts history is true, um, but I'm pretty sure there was a lot of cross-referencing that the Vince Giraldi trio made this, obviously made the soundtrack. I mean, the songs on the soundtrack are called Linus and Lucy, figure skating, doing this, doing that, blah, blah, blah. It was made for this, but, oh my goodness, this is some of the most iconic... You think Charles Schultz would have written it? 
Right. Because it's like, oh. This all comes from the same brain. Whoever wrote this has such a grip. Yeah, whoever wrote this has such a grasp on the material. Obviously, they also wrote the script. Right. Yeah. Like, this is, this was written with such a thorough understanding of this world. Um, But it is so synonymous, like, the Vinstraldi, like, this soundtrack is, like, synonymous with this time of year. Like even <laughs> that's that's sort of its its effect on uh but I also noticed like how much the story like the the music is like the vehicle of the story. I mean like we we open in this great pumpkin with the Linus and Lucy, that that classic da, 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 like that mm-hmm. that song that everybody knows. Um well like so much exposition is just delivered silently over this track. And it's like right. where where we get these like slice of life vignettes where we understand like it's fall and the kids are doing fall things and yeah it does get back to sort of like a very old school animation sense of like and a very old school sense of like film and sound like Mm. sight and sound of like the music tells more of the story than the dialogue does sometimes Mm -hmm. um i wanted to say um it's so interesting how like old school cartoons even like looney tunes um, so much storytelling you can you can travel with just in a scene where like we watch someone do an activity, mm-hmm. and like you don't see that anymore. Like cartoons are no longer about watching someone do something and having that just be it, like that be the scene, the activity. Yeah, it either has to have dialogue or it's super frenetic. We just have very few moments of like personality like that. Right, and so like and so this. Like the this scene is set by like literally watching Linus going out finding a pumpkin bringing it back inside, and like the only like we have this whole I mean it goes on for several minutes of him them like rolling this pumpkin back inside and the only words ever spoken were I didn't know you were gonna kill it. Yeah, it just ends <laughs> on a killer punchline. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. And that's that's it. But it's like we spend that whole time like there's so much comedy in that. Even like in everything that Snoopy does, like when he's like trying to like he's helping Charlie Brown rake leaves, but he's just like blowing a single leaf like onto the pile. Like Yes. That was what cartoons used to be. <laughs> right? And like yeah and it's all like and it just harmonized perfectly with the music where it's like you understand the mood you can understand the mood without the music but you understand like the music both things just tell the mood perfectly mm-hmm. and that kind of ties into what I wanted to talk about next mm-hmm. like this is the first time I've watched it in quite a long time especially since Apple bought the rights to all of them uh, I won't say how I watched it because I don't have Apple TV but unrelated tangent remember that renaissance fair I helped write last year yeah um, yeah, it was set in, um, the golden age of piracy because pirates are good. <clears throat> I dig- but anyway, <laughs> okay. um, yeah, like I forgot it opens with that silent bit of them just rolling a pumpkin around and then he like can't fit it through the door, like the fence. So he has to roll it all the way around. Right. And something that really struck me is just how joyous this animation is for lack of a better word. Yes. Like, Something about how sort of, like, arts and craftsy it looks, how, like, sort of simple, simultaneously simple, but very, like, the animation, I'm trying to think of how to describe this. Like, this is set in a very specific era of animation. This is, like, UPA animation. Uh, 
I don't want to go on too long a tangent about this, but yeah. short version is like shortly after like the Cinderella, era, like Snow White's era of Disney, a lot of the animators went on strike. Walt Disney retaliated by naming names during the Cold well, War yeah. and got a lot of them investigated by the feds. Mm. Um, so a lot of animators went off to form a company called UPA, which was supposed to be the Workers' Animation Union. And this is their animation to a T. Mm. It is simple. It is very, like, it's not like the beautiful, human, realistic no, drawings it's of Disney. Stick it's figures more on like, watercolor. <laughs> Yes, it's stick figures on watercolor, and yet every single character has so much personality. Every right. single movement has so much energy, even the simplest little motions. Mm. Um, like, watching, like, there's just an inherent joy in the art of movement when you watch Snoopy, like, blowing a leaf up into the air. Right. Like, I forgot how, like, good movement can feel in animation. Yeah. Like, how cool is it that we're getting these drawings to, like create personality and humor and energy right like it, it gets back to the roots of like what makes film cool it's that we take a bunch of pictures and put them one after another to create motion and emotion have you ever if i may be pretentious for a minute have you ever watched um any of the fat albert and the gang cartoons that has been one of the biggest gaps i've been desperate to fill in my sort of animation repertoire I bring it up because that show is famous for having each character, like, it's a large ensemble, and they mm. do a lot of exposition by having the gang just walk down the street and talk about what's going on in their day. And every single character has a specific walking choreography. Like, because these are right. black people, and black people are cool. <laughs> and they <laughs> black people have a natural, like, jazz about them, right? So Yes, the so, reports came in. Black people are cool. Right. So I'm reading so the data now. Each <laughs> each but each single character is drawn like like they don't stray from this. It's consistent all the way through the entire show of each single individual character having like a unique walk style. And it's like I can't imagine how much work goes into that, especially when it's like an element of the show that the show opens with these kids walking down the street like every day to talk about like oh, this so-and-so did this at school today, blah, 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 blah. It's like, they're doing this for every single episode, like, creating these, like, this choreography, and they and they keep it consistent. Oh, yeah. And, like, that's, I think that's what you're describing a little bit of, like, the consistency yes. throughout, like, the commitment. Yeah. But it's, like, it, it feels, like, yeah. extra to us, but back then, that was just how it was done. Well, it's, not, yes and no, because it's also, like, Making animation today is really fucking hard. Like, it is hard oh, yeah. to make even a minute worth of animation. Right. And this was in an era where studios were, like, they're like, we do not have the infrastructure to make even 30 minutes of animation. Right. Like, when when Disney somehow managed to pull off Snow White, which was a decade of work. Mm. It was literally a decade of him being like, this is my end game. This is my goal. I'm going to make a feature-length animated film. And I... Like, I am going to invest in different companies who have the technology. I'm going to invest in a school to literally create a pipeline so I can have a small army of animators. And then they pulled it off. And, like, it basically killed Warner Brothers for a little bit because mm. they literally were just like, fuck, we can't compete. We can't do We can't do this. Right, yeah. And, like, and I think that's what makes this animation just so, like, delicious. Right. Where it's like, how difficult... So how difficult and yet how effortless and like right. vibrant and joyful it is. It's like we're having fun. And I like, I wanted to mention the director, Bill Melendez, who was like one of the OG, an OG Disney animator. Like he was there oh, for Snow wow. White. 
And then he was one of the guys who jumped ship to join UPA. And, like, apparently, by all accounts, Charles Schultz really was, like, this is my guy. I want this guy dictating everything. Mm. Like, they bonded over the idea of, like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if we could, like, make these fantastical, like, like the whole Red Baron saga, if we can make that a thing. Right. Um, and, like, that energy, that UPA energy of, like, let's break what animation can be. Let's, like, let's, like, change the game, get back to the roots of, like, motion and shape and, like, personality and sound, you know, basically get back to the roots of, like, sight and sound. That energy is just infectious in here. On top of the fact that they just beautifully colored oh 100%. like the literal like watercolor backgrounds of just like splotches yeah the orange like the autumny hues this looks like the perfect halloween it does color wise yeah and can we talk about the red baron for a second um i mean yes. is it just me or does so much animation from the 60s feature these like psychedelic like dream episodes like just like thrown in the middle of the of the cartoon, Winnie the yes. Pooh does this. Dumbo's got one. Like, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, and that's are the moments where it's like the animators, like they always fight for that one section where they're like, "All right, let's cut," like, you know, like we're doing all this cool stuff, but like we want to really cut loose. We just want to do stuff. Yeah. We again, it's like, wouldn't it be fun if we could just do like a little music video in the middle of this, mm -hmm. right? Or like, you know show off what we can do with pencils and paint and ink. Right. And, yeah, it, it, it... For some reason, Charles Schultz's version of that is Snoopy, the anthropomorphic beagle, imagines himself as an ace fighter pilot during right. World War One, And... And the ultimate... Like, I love that the payoff for this is him going to the Halloween party and having uh, having Schroeder play different... Like, military. Like, war music. Yeah. And then him clearly having PTSD from his time... Right, he like, starts crying. ...in the fighter planes. <laughs> like, I just... And that's why I love, like... Because with so much, like, old-timey anime... Like, old-timey anything, you're... Like, I had this experience with Singing in the Rain, which isn't even that old. That was, like... 60s or 70s mm -hmm. where i was like oh that's like old hollywood that's whatever and then literally like one of the first jokes is uh this guy faints as a movie star comes up and i'm like oh this is actually goofy and off the walls right. and that's what i love about peanuts yeah. like you think like you assume like oh this is a thing dad's like it must be like kind of like yeah. stiff and old Vanilla. but it's like no this is so we that's the word this is so weird this right. is so weird and goofy and jazzy strange. and fun yeah yeah it's strange and yet all of it makes perfect sense yeah i could not agree more i feel like i could just go off on on so many more tangents about everything i love about this show um you know what right. and we have to talk about charlie brown is is a favorite of mine like I, you know how they say or at least i've seen this online of about like your your preferences of like your favorite film when you had growing up like says so much about like your psyche as a person and like that really right. is true um but like i just i feel so drawn to and i'm always i'm always comparing charlie brown to hey arnold i think they are parallel i think hey arnold is is our 90s version of charlie brown in the sense that like oh my god that's such a good take it carries like this beautiful like sadness to it and it like 
it, it forces you to like sit with disappointment and grief and and like and sadness and loneliness sometimes like that's what charlie like goodness like kids cartoon where like we just watch someone like be sad hey yeah that is i definitely want to talk about that on this episode because i was trying to figure out what is charlie brown as a character like what is his deal he's just a very odd character and what i've realized is like what makes him like this weirdly compelling straight man is this guy just never gets to win. Right. Life, literally, parents are handing him rocks right? <laughs> over and over and over again, just nonstop. And you just think about just the scope where it's like, man, this kid really does just, it's literally like It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, where it's like the gods have convened and they've decided Odysseus style that these people are just not allowed to win right. ever. But the difference is the Always Sunny cast are a bunch of, like, actually evil grown adults. Mm -hmm. While Charlie Brown is a bit of a melancholy kid. Yeah, and it's like, you know... Where you're like, what's the worst thing he could have done? Charlie Brown is the most normal person, like, quote-unquote normal person, in this ensemble. Like, Lucy's a narcissist, and Linus is a doomsday prepper, and, (laughs) like... Peppermint Patty is is butch. And well, yeah, I don't know. But like, he's the most normal. And oh, like, Pigpen is like, what, homeless? Is that what we're supposed to understand about this child? No, he just doesn't. He's, he's just, just like a kid who dives in mud all the okay. day. Yeah, it's just gross. There's always a gross kid in the community. Yeah, there like, is. There's always the kid who eats bugs. Right. <laughs> but like, I think everyone is supposed to see themselves in a, in a Charlie Brown whose aspiration, whose who's hopes and like, his drive is perfectly just like in the middle. And I think everyone yeah, he is just supposed wants to, to enjoy run. things. Yeah. Which is like, and it, there's this moment like that really stood out to me. We're watching it around this, this time of he gets his invitation to, um, so-and-so's, I forget who it is, Halloween party. And he just starts dancing. Like, and he's like, yeah, he's like, Oh, cool. I got invited to a party. And he starts doing this, like, dance like to himself of like there's something so simple and this is before lucy comes in and she's like whoa 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 like i know that invitation has your name on it but like there's no way <laughs> yeah clearly the lists got mixed up yeah she's like let me explain something to you charlie brown like you were on the don't invite list so this oh, is some kind of error like she didn't let him have that for a second which is so evil not even a yeah, not a single... That's why the movie feels so weird where he does win. Or even the Christmas one, he kind of wins in a roundabout way. That's why when him winning, it feels like the exception to the rule. Right. Where it's like, okay, well, obviously in a feature-length children's film, you have to let the protagonist win. And oh, come on, it's Christmas, guys. Have a heart. Right. And, and you know, uh, another thing that stood out to me that was, like, really interesting is, like, and, and I mentioned this briefly about the presence or lack thereof of adults in this world. And it it's right. it's so like every episode has a moment that makes you feel like like who's in charge around here? Because it's like this episode ends with Charlie Brown going out into the cold to like retrieve his little brother out <laughs> from his doomsday right. field. It brings him back inside, puts him back in bed. And I always, even when I was a kid, I remember feeling like that was so unusual that 
that he was like parenting his younger brother. <laughs> I was like, where well, are the adults? Like, do these pe- do these kids live alone? Are there no grown ups? Like, to be like, like my kid is out in some field in the middle of the night on Halloween. It very much captures a very, I feel like it captures that 50s energy where, and like we talk about this, the pre-cell phone era where it's like, oh, you know, we used to just wander off and like we'd come home and it was time to eat or whatever. Like, and this is the most extreme version of that, which I guess really is the Charlie Brown thing of it's the most extreme version of every kind of kid, every kind of personality, like every kind of character. Um, A moment that always strikes me is how dramatic, like, Sally or um, uh, Lucy gets whenever Snoopy kisses her, which I'm like relatable. Right. Um, She's like, yeah. It's just this like, yeah. It's it's a heightened version of like kid life, and the heightened version of that is like, oh, parents are there. Like, there's always that like omniscient parent figure who, if things ever got really bad, could theoretically step in and fix everything. Right. But like for the most part, you're running your you're doing everything yourself. You're the one who's in charge. Right. Here. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And the point I, on top of, like, the point I like that you mentioned in terms of the melancholy, something about that brick wall they always hang out. And they basically, almost all of these specials end with them hanging out at the brick wall, Mm -hmm. or at least a lot of them. Like, it feels like that's, like, where it always feels like the place they wrap everything up. Something about it does have that melancholy energy. I don't know what it is. It's, like, something about them just kind of, like, dangling on this brick wall has such like a mellow energy to it. It something is very like solemn. Yeah, just like well, let's recap what we talked about. Let's like think about all right. of this. Yeah. Like a on a like a cold brick, like you know, you're not just sitting around like by a tree. You're not like in school, you know, sitting at desks. Right. No, you're just hanging out on this some brick wall in the middle. Like of with your somewhere. own thoughts. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, it's. It really is amazing, like, we're describing it simultaneously as manic and wild and weird, but at the same time, it's also just very understated and calm and and thoughtful. And I think that is kind of one of the things that makes Peanuts special, is that it actually can kind of be a little bit of everything. Yeah. And I think that's what pulled, like, because, like, again, there weren't as many fanciful sections at the beginning. Snoopy just looked like a beagle. Like, and I think... I think weirdly making th- the sh- the comic more wacky inadvertently made it perfect because mm. it's like oh you actually do have a balance now and you have rules for when the wacky stuff happens right. and for when the thoughtful like as you know introspective parts happen right and I think this special more than any of the others um is probably the best at that yeah I would agree I actually. I don't know, like, if you're looking at the internet right now, like, I don't know the order that they were released, like... I, oh, I meant to bring this up before we just immediately dove right in. <laughs> so, I believe this is the third. The first one was Charlie Brown Christmas. Oh, okay. Then it was Charlie Brown's All-Stars, which was a baseball one. Oh. I will say, I have seen all of them, basically, mm-hmm. but the only ones I remember, like, all of the beats for are the holiday ones. Right. Whereas, like... The other ones, I'm like, well, they were on, t- you know, we put the VHSs on. They were like the clamshells, right. but just different. It's just, like, I don't remember, like, I remember images and moments or music. Right, right, right. Like, particularly, like, Race for Your Life, Charlie Brown. I remember the song. Mm. 
I just don't, re- like, you know, I just don't remember every single moment that happened. I like, it's yeah. not, like, yeah, it's not, like, ingrained in my memory. Do you remember um, the, I, the one where they, like, the Peanuts are, like, it's, like, a kind of, it's not, I don't want to call it a historical reenactment, but, like, the one where they do, like, the pilgrims coming on the Mayflower and... <laughs> yes. I don't even know what yes, that's Yes, I love that one. That is one of the ones I've seen the most. I kind of love that one, too, honestly, in a weird way. It's sort of, like, amazing. Yeah, they... Yeah, there's a lot where, there's a lot where they double dip on the holidays, and I actually kind of like all of them. Right, uh, yeah. I Want a Dog for Christmas is another one I really like where they introduce Spike, the, like, like Snoopy has a cousin who's, like... I don't remember like, this. Like, yes, he's, like, a... They establish in the comic that Snoopy has a lot of, like, cousins and relatives. Oh. And, like, the one who shows up the most is Spike. He's very narrow, he has tiny glasses, and he wears a hat. And the idea is he's from the desert. So he, like, hangs out with tumbleweeds all the time. And Linus, um, is going to adopt him. Or, um, no, no, rerun. They're Linus's younger brother, who they started adding later. Oh my gosh, this is all new information to me. I do want to, I don't know, I do want to sit down and rewatch a lot of these. Because, definitely like need I said, to. this was really eye-opening in terms of just, like... Right. Especially because, like, I haven't really watched a lot of these since I... You know, since I started to get into animation, since I took animation classes. Yeah. Like, I even had to, you know, I, if we did this podcast, like, well, we probably wouldn't have done this podcast before I got into animation, but, like, mm. if we did this before, I wouldn't have been able to talk about UPA right. and, like, animation technique. Um, I, actually, on that note, I do suggest at some point you look at Bill Melendez. Um, that man's to. facial hair is the exact kind of person you would assume would be into this and Copy think that. of all of these ideas. I will put it that way. I will take your um, word for it. Uh, do you have any other points you wanted to cover before we wrap up? No, I think we kind of covered all the bases. I can't wait to continue this series for Thanksgiving coming up. I mean... Oh, yes. Um, so yes, you will get to see the series again in a month when we talk about a Charlie Brown Thanksgiving. I think the Thanksgiving one's but... actually my favorite. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Oh, that's... Oh, we'll have time to It talk. might be mine. I... I recreated that Thanksgiving Did you? dinner. Yeah, and yeah. like the Thanksgiving well, ha- dinner no, is no, we'll the reason. That yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll save all yes. this juice for later. Um, yes. Uh, but until we wrap up spooky season and get to turkey season, <laughs> um, and as we continue to wait out here for our great savior, a giant pumpkin head, do they, I don't think they ever really explain what he's supposed to look like. No, they don't. Wait. <laughs> si- oh my God, Sydney. Sydney, look. What? Over in the distance, in the field. <gasps> it's the great pumpkin. He's here. Oh, it's just a fucking beagle. Oh. Well, I'm Carter. And I'm Sydney. Maybe next year. Thanks for listening. I'm so cold. The Disney Desk is written, produced, and edited by Sydney Nicole Barkley and Carter Glace. Please follow us on Twitter at Disney Desk or send us an email at podcastdisneydesk at gmail.com. Want to support the magic? Use the link in the show notes to make a donation to the Disney Desk podcast. We would greatly appreciate it.